Welcome into a football show. My name is Zach Lyons. You can follow me on X at F Words Pod. And of course, over here, you probably recognize him and you should. The uh, the no- number two sports radio slash podcast show. One half of it, UNO, an unofficial Titans podcast, part of the Sobros Network. Stoney Keeley, follow him on X at Stoney Keeley. Stoney, congratulations. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Silver medal. I will take it uh, to everybody that voted for us in the Nashville Scenes Best of Nashville Awards. Uh, means a lot, man. I Our show, I love it. I love doing it. Owen and I have a lot of fun with it, but you know, I don't think of myself like... I, you know, I feel like football and other F words is a smarter show than unofficial Titans podcast. I feel like what the hot read does with Easton and JT Easton has more access to the team. And I'm just a guy that watches tape that does the, the film study and loves this team and just transparently shares what I think, what I see and, uh, shares my, my work with the, um, with the internet and for so many people to, show up and support us in that way. It, it meant a lot, man. It caught me off guard. I'm, I'm kind of floored by the support. So thank you for the kind words and for, for letting me mention it here on a football show today. Also, I don't know if you saw this, but sinkers beverages takes home another best liquor store award in the best. There you go. That's I was going to yeah. get into it. Our, our sponsor sinkers beverages, the Kingston group, another award for the mantle for sinkers beverages. If you haven't been there to you go. beverages, what are you waiting for? And there's extra incentive for you to go. If you're a football show listener, if you're a football and other F-words listener, if you just love 440 sports, they have pulled back the special reserve that me, Braden, Tim Dodge, Joe, and many others went to go pick. Many of our listeners went to go pick Wild Turkey, special reserve, special barrel. You can only get it at Sinkers, and they pulled back specials just for you guys, bottles just for you guys. Before they go on the shelves, you go get them first. You go into that store, you go into Sinkers, you tell them, hey, Hey, buddy. Hey, pal. I listen to 440 Sports. I listen to football and other F-words. I listen to a football show, and I am told that behind that counter, you got some fucking liquor for me. So head over to Sinker's Beverages, another award winning the all-time, I think they're the the uh, all-time award-winning liquor store in the Nashville scene. I'm making that up, but let's just- Sounds right to me. Yeah, and, and uh, course, just to be oh, clear- ahead. Well, just be sure to to tell them that you watch 440 Sports and and you heard about this. Don't just be walking yeah. into liquor stores asking them to to see what's behind the counter. Right. Uh, got some weirdo taking pictures out here in our uh, the road, not of us, Listen. but of other things. But oh, I was uh, about to say that's the price of being a celebrity in this market. I guess so, um, and of course, Kingston Group, BuildKG.com are wonderful sponsors. They sponsor this next segment which is building a win as the Titans head to London. But before we do that, Stoning, uh, stackinginbox.com, you write with me over there, producing some content, you produce some great work. Your 2024 draft notebook is filling up already with some breakdowns of certain players and everything. But I want to know, where can people go and uh, put, turn in their college applications for Stony University, the number one <laughs> fictional uh, scouting university of Titans Twitter. Listen, it's just a, just a DM, just DM me on, on X. Like that's, that's fine. So I tell people all the time, they say like, they've got an idea and I'm like, send it to me, send it to you. Hey, still, I know you're efforting, but I want everybody to know right now. And I meant to say it on uh football and other F or yeah, football and other F words after dark last night, Jacob Cowing, put it on your radar. Just I know well, on your I, radar and he's on yours. I know, but I, I want the world to know that when everybody's talking about Jacob Cowing heading into the draft and all this stuff, this guy said it first, you put it out there first. Yeah. I don't think people know how difficult it is to find all 22 footage to really study a player and receiver and cornerback. I mean, it's virtually impossible to scout players from like the broadcast footage or something uh, of that nature. Like, you really got to get the all 22 and I'm having a, a hard time getting my hands on some of that Arizona offense, all 22. There's like a, a seedy underbelly of like tape swaps uh, all across the internet that you have to get into. And you're, it, it's, you know, kind of like prohibition era moonshine acquisition or something like that. So I, I'm still efforting it, but uh, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how my luck turns. 
But let me just say, shades of Jaden Reed, but a little bit better Jaden Reed. Ooh, I color me intrigued. I like them. I like them a lot. But let's talk about Building a Win, sponsored by, again, the Kingston Group, locally owned and operated in Nashville, Tennessee. But all you got to do, give them a call. Let them come out and give you an estimate, tell you what you need to do for whatever home repair, remodeling, anything that you have that you need, Kingston Group, buildkg.com. But like they like they build great houses. The Titans need to build a great win. And it is a home game, technically. So maybe this swings momentum in the favor of the of the Tennessee Titans. And right now, the Tennessee Titans have decided to spice up their practices this week. According to paulkarski.com or paulkarski on X, he says Mike Vrabel has spiced up practices with some coach involvement this week, which has gotten Ooh. Titans players going. Wednesday, there were some races. Thursday, some one-on-ones. Luke Stocker, the tight end assistant, sold out diving to pull in a fade from Pat O'Hara with Chris Harris, I guess, in coverage. So they are trying some new things to liven up or get this team in a better headspace. And they desperately need it because it really seems like the Tennessee Titans have checked out. We had an honest conversation, me and Mike did, just between friends, publicly. Um on football and other efforts last night, you were in, you were in, you were there in the comments. You can subscribe to the 440 Sports YouTube page, turn on notifications. Boom, you'll know when everything is, even if we're late, even if it's an unscheduled time, you'll know because yeah. we'll you've turned on fun. notifications. Yeah. So we had an honest conversation last night. And we talked about John Robinson. We talked about Mike Vrabel specifically in the sense that it's kind of felt like this team has not been your typical Mike Vrabel team. So, how important do you think a week like this is for the team? Because they have incredibly with great short sight, like no, no. I mean, there's just short sighted effort to leave on Friday for London, <laughs> which the game is on Sunday really early. So not giving your time a lot of uh, your body to adjust. They, they've not looked like a team that has been properly motivated and prepared week in and week out, though we can expect or assume that Mike Vrabel has his team prepared. They just seem to be lollygagging. So how important is this week of practice to get everything right? And it seems almost like an insurmountable task to do it on a week like this week. Yeah, I would agree with you. I think it is of paramount importance because that gritty, tough demeanor, that that focus, that attitude, that uh, want to drag you down into a knife fight in the mud mentality has kind of been the hallmark of these Mike Vrabel Tennessee Titans during his tenure with this team so far. And I think that was the one thing that I, it might have been after the Saints game that I sent you a text and asked you, was like, what does this team have? as its bedrock, as its foundation, if it doesn't have that. And I think you you start to see some of the um, potential impact of that in this game against the Colts, where, like you said, it kind of felt like there were some lapses in concentration, in effort, in motivation. And so if you start heading down that path, I feel like it's a slippery slope that if you don't correct this and get your mind right and your ass tight, then who knows what this team could become on the other side of this bye week? Well, I, I look at it this way too. How much of this is a hangover from last year? I mean, you bring in an entirely yeah, almost fair. new staff and you bring in entirely. I mean, like they had like a really high percentage of roster turnover, but there's, there is a few constants across what could cause this. And I just wonder when you see Christian Fulton not doing his job, and then, and you see it over and over and over, and you see Jeffrey Simmons just frustrated with every increasing loss added to their record dating back. It's like they say they put it all in the past, but I feel like Jeffrey Simmons has not let last season go. Like to me, like his press conferences, the way that he is presenting himself, the way he is making excuses, it really feels like, man, the ghost of 2022 is really still haunting some of these players heads and and it's affecting and Jeffrey Simmons is still do, playing really good football but it just seems to be affecting their attitude. Yeah, I would agree because the uh the press conferences seem to be getting uh progressively bleak uh with losses such as uh, the one against the Colts and specifically with Jeff Simmons like 
a couple of weeks ago, he was saying, you know, enough of the coach better play better at a certain point, we actually have to play better. And that was a sound the alarm kind of moment for me because I started thinking, oh gosh, like you guys have talked about on a football show the last couple of weeks, like, is this message kind of wearing thin with the players? And I, I don't know. I like you, you piece it all together and, and it kind of feels like uh, cracks in the dam. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So building a win this week of practices. Okay. So a, a emotional letdown on Sunday, they have to fly to London on Friday, which is by the way, normally when they just leave for other games, right? Like normally when they yeah. leave for Indianapolis, they leave on Friday. But now they're going across the pond, many time zones and hours ahead. So how do you build a win to overcome that, Stoney? Like, in your opinion, can they make practices fun like they're trying to do, keep the energy up, and that carry over on an, was an eight- or nine-hour flight and then all this time change? Can that really carry over? Uh, we're going to find out on Sunday morning. That's for sure. I, I don't know. I, I think the question of when to leave for this team is a matter of priority. And what are you prioritizing if you're Mike Vrabel? Uh, is it keeping the routine because you think you can create this positive energy and practice throughout the week? And, um, you know, if you're just in and out of London, right, that's the phrase we've heard. They just want to get in and get out. If you're in and out, like maybe the hope is that it doesn't like the abnormality of the schedule at this point doesn't really have time to sink in because you're just you're traveling, you're on a plane, you get to the facility, you do some uh, run throughs and then you play the game and you get out. Maybe that's the hope that we can just build up enough goodwill throughout practice this week. I, I don't know. I was going to ask you kind of where you um, sat on this issue keeping the regular routine or um, taking the time to get acclimated to a new setting, because I think there's, there's an interesting point to be made. I'm not necessarily saying I believe this, but just kind of playing devil's advocate. If we're sitting here criticizing like the mental discipline, the focus, the motivation of this team right now, what happens if you leave Monday and your team that you feel might be suffering a little bit of a, focus laps right now they get to london and then they have a week to just go see big ben and all the stuff the 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 distractions that are there maybe the thinking is like i don't want to risk that for a team that's already kind of iffy on that front what do you think about that i think that's a good counterpoint to the argument um i don't know if i necessarily believe it but i think that's probably the best it's the best excuse i've really heard yeah. out of anybody's mouth or the best reason possible reason behind it. The thing is for me is that I look at it and I'm thinking, why can't you carry over your routine in London? Is it why, what is so specific about it in Tennessee that you can't carry it over in London? So, and, and I get it, but the, also the, probably this team does need to let off a little steam elsewhere and, and all that, but it would maybe be good for the soul for them to see some of these attractions or something. I will yeah. say this. The Bills announcers, uh, when I was driving back from Memphis, I listened to the entire London game, Bills versus Jaguars, and nothing went right for the Bills, and everything went right for the Jaguars. And even Goodell said, we did this experiment to see if there would be a competitive advantage. And clearly, I don't think he needed to do this to figure out there would be a competitive advantage. But the Bills could have gone earlier, but they didn't. And they yeah. went about the same time the Tennessee Titans did, and they were sluggish. Their body hadn't adjusted, and they suffered a lot of injuries. That is the thing that worries me. The Tennessee Titans, knock on wood, have had their injury bug turn around, in, like the cyclical nature of, of the NFL. But you go into where your body is just not getting proper rest, not getting the proper anything that it needs because of the adjustment to the to the new time zone then you look at it and you go, well, how is that going to affect their ability to stay healthy in this game? How's it, how's all of this going to tie in together? And I just don't see 
And I'm, I'm this at the end when we do our score predictions, I'll of course look like an idiot because I'm gonna <laughs> we're gonna talk bad about the Tennessee Titans, and I'm gonna say Tennessee Titans are gonna somehow win, and because that's what they do. This is a it's a home game, but I also just feel like Tennessee Titans are probably gonna win because Mike Vrabel's gonna work some stupid ass magic and and do something I don't know, but they they've really just put them they they could have easily avoided creating a disadvantage for them. And that's ultimately where I land on this whole thing is that this could have easily been avoided and you could have had a same kind of advantage or at least no disadvantage. Yeah. And uh, we'll get into the matchup, but I think this is a, um, a box among many other boxes that you check in favor of the Ravens going into Sunday's game. I, I don't, I don't like the decision, and I think there's an important distinction to make here, too, with the the Bills. This isn't just us speculating based off of what we've heard from announcers and analysts alike. I don't remember which player, but there were a couple of players that came out this week in the media and said, like, yeah, it was kind of hard to shake the jet lag and and get performing well out there. And so that is the the deciding factor for me when I, I look at this and I think this is it's just not a good I just don't think it's a good decision. Yeah, I don't either. And let's let's talk about the matchup. The Tennessee Titans offense has has its share of ups and downs, not uh, not for a lack of creativity or play calling, but for a lack mm-hmm. of player execution in the Baltimore Ravens right now are the second best defense in the NFL behind the Cleveland Browns. Where where is the advantage for this Tennessee Titans team against a number two or number four rush defense, it looks like, and a uh, number two pass defense? Like, where is this advantage going to come from for that Tennessee? What, what's the matchup they can exploit? Well, um, first of all, I must have got a text message or something. I apologize. My camera zoomed out now, so it looks like you're talking to a baby. But... <laughs> Uh, to answer your question, I think um, if Kenneth is watching, I hope Kenneth covers his his eyes or his ears or whatever, because I'm going to bring up Ty J Spears again. He called him overrated on on X. Oh, I think no. I, I think Ty J Spears could be an X factor in this game. Watching the Steelers game back, things kind of changed for Pittsburgh once they stopped trying to run up the middle against that uh, Baltimore defensive front, uh, a front that kind of. You know, they like to just rush for and they have some horses that they can get to the quarterback and and impact the passer with just four guys. They like to mix in some some linebacker blitzes, some defensive back blitzes, sometimes both. There was a really effective blitz they had where where Patrick Patrick Queen uh, comes up to the line and then drops. But then there are other times when he comes up to the line and then he rushes and they send Millette, the uh, safety cornerback slot corner I can't remember which position he plays but they would send him as well and Kenny Pickett just didn't have a chance so the adjustment they started swinging Jalen Warren out to the side and to get him in space and so if you get the ball out quickly to a guy that can make a man miss you got a shot for a big play and that's one thing that I've liked about Tim Kelly's offense I don't like that they're doing it in the red zone so much but if you watch especially when they have Henry and Spears on the field at the same time Sometimes they send them in the same direction with one blocking for the other. Sometimes they send them in different directions, trying to get the defense to bite on Henry only for Spears to spring open or vice versa. And I think that um, Tim Kelly has a really good package. That's what she said. Tim yeah. Kelly has a really good package Pretty for uh, using the uh, the running backs and the tight ends on the, uh, the, the Spears touchdown in the red zone last week. They send Chig across the formation. He kind of goes unnoticed and gets out and springs a block. So I think stretching the field horizontally and getting the ball into into the hands of a guy that can make people miss because that's what the Ravens did against the Steelers. They they primarily rushed four, dropped a lot of people into, into coverage. You had bodies in space. Guys were making tackles. That, to me, is kind of the crux of how the Colts were able to beat the Titans so um, efficiently last week as well is that the Titans just couldn't really get anything anything going. I will also say Kenny Pickett was wildly inaccurate down the field last week, and I think there were some one-on-one wins for George Pickens against the cornerbacks. And I think looking at Ryan Tannehill, I know uh, people throw shade at him all season, but I think you trust him to be a little more accurate on those throws down the field. So if the protection can hold up, 
I think there will be some opportunities for big plays, but I think the best chance for this offense against this defense is Ty J Spears in space with Nick okay, Westbrook so, and Kane blocking in front of him. I like it. So let's talk about this Ravens defense a little bit. Let's talk about the quarterbacks they face. They, they face CJ Stroud in week one. They then go on to face Joe Burrow, who's already injured. Then they go on to face Gardner Minshew, Dorian Taylor Robinson, DTR, and then they go and face Kenny Pickett, who is nothing good either. So our, I'm going to say something because I'm going to call ourselves out a little bit. Okay. We said the Cleveland Browns aren't as good as what they think they as what the, the stats say. Mm-hmm. Now, you've heard the list of quarterbacks. This is Ryan Tannehill is technically the healthiest and best because he's the healthiest quarterback they'll face. How much can we take away from those performances against those quarterbacks about this Ravens defense? Yeah, I I think it's interesting. I think you can watch like schematically and learn like what the Ravens are trying to do. Um, and, And I think that you can also see the moments like the Pittsburgh game where you just know like, man, a more accurate quarterback or even just there were some times that Kenny Pickett was throwing the ball like 20 yards past his receiver. Clear miscommunication. So, you know, I I think it is fair to assume that there is probably going to be some sort of regression to the mean whenever, did I say meme? I meant mean, regression to the mean. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a meme curator, so it's it's on my head all the time. I, I think you can expect some regression to the mean a little bit with Ryan Tannehill, assuming the protection holds up. For me, that's the key to it all. If Ryan Tannehill gets some protection like he did against Indianapolis, which, you know, by all means, wasn't like elite offensive line play, but he had time to make some throws. I think if he has that, like I said, it's one-on-one matchups. DeAndre Hopkins, a guy that can win them. I think it's safe to deduce from what the Ravens have done so far that the Titans offense, the the passing game specifically, could surprise in this game. It'll be interesting to see how much they decide to lean on the run. I talked about it on Stacking the Inbox today that the the Tajay Spears versus Derrick Henry debate is getting a little little wonky and off track. Tajay Spears is clearly good right now. Derrick Mm -hmm. Henry is still, there are shades of Derrick Henry just not showing up. Just, just, just (laughs) not showing up. Yeah, uh, consistently, and there's there everybody's big thing to point at are well snap counts or attempts or blah blah blah, like uh, are are the Stillman on one hundred two five? He said, "How did thirteen? How did Derrick Henry only get thirteen snaps on Twitter on his show?" And I'm like, "Well, mm-hmm. he only got thirteen carries. He was in a lot of snaps." Yeah, here's the thing. I am okay with so far what the snap count has been. So I'm not going to hammer home any snap count. But when Tajay Spears is on the field, I want to see more Tajay Spears touches, which has nothing to do with Derrick Henry getting 20 touches during his snaps, right? Whatever carries you want to give Derrick Henry on his snaps, get them. Because they only have shared like five or six snaps, I think, on the year, I feel like. I think I think everybody thinks it's more, but it's only been like two or three, maybe two or once a game. So Taji Spears has seen time. So I'm with you. And if you want to stretch the field out horizontal, which is where Derrick Henry, I in my opinion, needs to be going anyway. The Ravens have historically stuffed him up the middle. Yeah. I want to see them going outside. I just want to, I don't want to see Taji Spears get more carries or anything I want to than Derrick Henry. I want to see Tajay Spears be utilized on the higher snap count that he has been getting or the close to Derrick Henry when he's on the field and he's on the field a lot for pass blocking. Like we have talked, we told everybody that that's the one big thing that we think Tajay Spears is underrated at is pass blocking. And in year one, he's a probably outside of Peter Skaronsky, maybe their best pass blocker. <laughs> Yeah, I was actually going to say, if you didn't bring it up, I was like, that. you know, part of the reason they're not throwing him passes or handing the ball off is because they need bodies blocking, and he's a pretty good pass protector. Yep. Uh, uh, Hayden Fiedler brings up a point, and 
we can talk about Kyle Phillips maybe getting more involved this year. Uh, he played 14 snaps, if I'm not mistaken, or 14 receiving snaps, if I'm not mistaken, and only saw one target. Uh, I think that that is more Hayden who who says, he. this is what he says. Sorry, I should have read it. I haven't seen many people commenting on the lack of targets for Phillips on Sunday. Do you have any idea why? Uh, I don't know if you're referencing Hayden, the the lack of talk about it or the lack of targets, but I can address both. I think the most people in the media understand that it's his first game back from injury and he played a limited amount of snaps. It was the fourth most amount of snaps out of the wide receivers. So it's just 14. And I think that he's just, he's just getting back into the feel of things. I think that that will uptick. More as 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 probably even this week, I think you'll see a lot of Kyle Phillips uh, playing. But I think that it depends on what they want to do. The game plan for some teams is to stretch the field. I felt like that is what the Titans try to do on Sunday. I I'm not an all twenty two film watcher or anything, but it felt like there were times that Ryan Tannehill's looking deep first. And looking deep and staring down long and trying to look for the deep shot to maybe try to open things up. And that could also hurt the viability of seeing Kyle Phillips get targets. But I think this week that you could still look for the deep shots, but I think getting Kyle Phillips involved, Ty J Spears involved is much better for this team than trying to force feed Chris Moore 40 yards down the field. Yeah, and I would add uh, Josh Wiley's name to that list of players too. Number can, one tied in, according to the, uh, the most, popular that. popular opinion. I I heard that. Um, I didn't. I think one. Kyle Kyle Phillips could be a, a useful addition uh, if they can get an uptick in his production in this game because you, you figure the um, the Ravens are going to bring pressure. Um, watching the same offensive line that we've watched through five weeks so far, thinking they can get to the quarterback before the plays the routes develop down the field because you're right you do see Tannehill looking deep quite a bit and if he has time he can hit those plays but I think the Ravens are probably thinking if we just send pressure then uh, we disrupt the timing of the throw they're going to try and get it out quickly when you are trying to get it out quickly short area quickness is so important from a wide receiver because you have to win right off the line of scrimmage and I think Kyle Phillips is a guy that's shifty enough to win right off the line of scrimmage and win some of those matchups and kind of move the chains. Uh, yeah, I agree. If we're if, trying to build a win, I think that Kyle, Kyle Phillips, Tajay Spears, all these guys that maybe we don't say their name enough or regularly, some for, for different circumstances are the guys that you need to be looking for because they'll, they'll try to cover Deandre Hopkins, but Deandre Hopkins will get his, but someone else has to step up and I look at this this def defensive backs for the Baltimore Ravens and they've had their fair share of injuries but I feel like right now I don't like the matchup for NWI I don't like the matchup for Chris Moore who is a former Baltimore Ravens by the way yeah um yeah. revenge game there I I like the for a game of like this, I like Kyle Phillips, Tajay Spears, Derrick Henry running on the outside. I like kind of like the bread and butter of the New York Giants style offense last week with a splash of Tajay Spears. Or sorry, last year with a splash of Tajay Spears. Yeah, sure. And one point I want to make before I forget because I jotted it down. What I'm calling for uh, bringing that up earlier uh, stretching the field horizontally. I want to see more of Henry and Spears on the field at the same time in this matchup. And, you know, I, people, people say Derrick Henry uh, doesn't look quite himself anymore. There has been a, a sort of physical decline in his play, but from what I've watched, I, I've watched every game, the all 22, except for the chargers game, for whatever reason, they still haven't uploaded that, but defenses still bite on Henry whenever they fake the play to him. The uh, the touchdown pass or what should have been a touchdown pass to DeAndre Hopkins, like five Colts defenders that when Derrick Henry got the ball, that's just where they're keyed in on. And they're they're like swarming towards him, which is part of what helped open up DeAndre Hopkins in the back of the end zone, maybe with a little more touch on the ball. That's a touchdown. But what I'm seeing is that defenses are still treating Derrick Henry as if he's the, the focal point of this offense. So 
I don't know. Maybe you take advantage of that with a little bit of the misdirection, having both guys on the same field. Maybe let's get real crazy. If you want Derrick Henry throwing touchdown passes, throw them to Ty J Spears. Yeah. Throw one on that wheel route. I'm still begging to see it. Again. Yeah, I'll, I'm with you. Before we shift over to the defensive side of the football for the Tennessee Titans as they take on Lamar Jackson and the the receivers that are have let him down more than any receiving group that I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Remember, we are building a win due to the Kingston group. Buildkg.com. Contact them. Just give them a phone call. It costs you nothing to give you them a phone call. Tell them that 440 Sports sent you and said, hey, I need X and X fixed. Can you give me an estimate or tell me what's the best way to go about it? And they'll be glad to help you. Kingston group. Buildkg.com. Okay. We switch to the defense, which is really I've had, I think, the biggest gripes about this team have come from the defensive side of the ball in their losses outside of week one. I almost hate always having to say, well, outside of week one or asterisk week one. I, I just wish we could all understand week one was Ryan Daniel bar none. We all know that way. I don't have to say it all the time, but anyway, in the Cleveland loss in the loss to the Colts, the, the, the defense, as we had talked about earlier, just kind of looked lifeless, kind of looked like they they weren't the bullies that they were supposed to be. They were the ones getting bullied. And that's unlike this team. Didn't matter if Tier Tart was in Cleveland and Tier Tart was missing in, in um, Indianapolis. That really didn't matter, right? I mean, same lifeless, listless team. You could maybe say that, well, yeah. T.R. Tart maybe could have stopped Zach Moss, but it didn't really seem like anybody really had the uh, fortitude or want to to tackle Zach Moss. So I don't know. Uh, they made him look, and listen to this. I don't know if you heard this, but um, a few people co- said that uh, he reminded him, the way he ran reminded them of Le'Veon Bell. Well, you guys made him look like Le'Veon Bell. <laughs> so he is not Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, you guys made him look like Le'Veon Bell, and and so they have to get tougher. They're gonna, it it's a underwhelming running back room that the Baltimore Ravens have, but you could have said that about Indianapolis before they went in. And Gus Edwards has a chance. You know, normally my advice to ten, Tennessee Titans defensive fantasy football owners, or um, excuse me. My, usually my advice is for people with running backs that are facing the Tennessee Titans defensive fantasy owner is to bench them. But I think you should fire up Gus Edwards, and I am a little afraid that Gus Edwards is going to pull a Zach Moss and go for over 125 yards from scrimmage. Man, I um, I think Justice Hill is the guy that I'm worried about from the Ravens' backfield and the way that they used him against the Steelers like trying to get him in space one-on-one. That dude is a load to bring down. And when you look at this, this Titans team right now, one of the uh, one of the issues on defense is, is tackling. The tackling has not been very good this, this season. So if they get this guy, and it's not just Justice Hill, by the way, but like Mark Andrews, Rashad Bateman's a physical wide receiver. The Ravens have guys that are tough to bring down. Lamar Jackson, when he gets into the open field, yep. is hard to bring to bring down. So physical guy like Justice Hill, I think, you know, I'm not going to be surprised either way. If Gus Edwards is is chewing up yardage and Justice Hill is the one that's just getting these like back breaking, like fourth and four conversions to keep the offense on the field and burn clock late in the game. I'm not going to be surprised either way. I, I think this is a really bad matchup um, on a lot of different levels for the Titans defense. And uh, that that run game is one of them uh, against the defense that has shown some poor tackling. Well, we do got some new news uh, just now. The, there's only been three players that are not traveling for the Tennessee Titans. Uh, oh, Traylon Burks, okay. Luke Gifford, and surprisingly enough, Elijah Molden, again, is not going. He's still battling hamstring issues. But Tier Tart is going, though he has logged two did-not-practices back-to-back uh, days so far. Just in um, case, have him on hand. Yeah, so that could be a little bit of relief, but we we talked about this linebacking room and how the linebacking room has not looked great, and this they need a bounce back game, and I know that Aziz yeah. Al Shair can do it, 
but I'm not very confident on Jack Gibby. I think that he has hit the four game, like Dylan Cole Memorial wall and he had his four good games and it's over and it's done. And I think they're going to attack Jack Gibby a lot this game outside of, you know, attacking Christian Fulton, who we'll talk about in a minute. Yeah. I, uh, just tackle, just make the tackles. All right. Let's, let's not try and, you know, sometimes I felt like he and, uh, Aziz both were like coming in so hot that they just, you know, one slight move and they're, they're, um, they've lost the the target completely. Just fundamentals wrap up. Like I, I, I worry about it. If they can make tackles, I think they'll be okay. But I think you're, I think you're right. I think they're going to use some of these guys like Mark Andrews, a sure-handed tight end that's hard to bring down. If they can isolate him in one-on-one matchups, that's another box that you check for the Ravens. I, I don't know. I mean, what are your confidence levels like in the the Titans linebackers being able to rise up to that challenge based off of what we've seen so far? I, I like I said, I'm I'm very confident in Aziz Alshair. Uh, I talked about it on Stacking Inbox on today's uh, Stacking Inbox with the show. Um, that him and David Long are not having that different of seasons at their respective new homes. Okay. And it, it because there has been the, the clip that got pulled of all David Long's highlights and everything where basically the Red Sea has been parted and, and uh, someone of our ilk, you or I could go in there and at least touch the running back without being touched by any of the offensive linemen on either side. So like he's got the same pressure percentage, the same sack percentage, He's, I mean, they're, they're pretty much been having the same kind of a year. And the differences has been the defensive lines for each guy. Now, that being said, I, 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 I need to see Aziz step up this week. I need to see some of the previous games that we've seen from him. I think he knows he needs to step up. We don't need to hear any excuses. Like, I, I don't need to hear any kind of excuses from this team. And, I don't want to hear any excuses from the Ravens. Like, here's the thing. I'm not going to buy in to Christian Fulton being back if the Ravens do what they did, the Ravens wide receivers do what they did last week and just drop a bunch of passes. Yeah. That was now, if they drop passes, yeah. If they drop passes because he knocked the ball out, that's a little bit different. Or if he forced an incompletion. But how much of a leash does Christian Fulton have? In this game in particular, do you think that he's going to be splitting time with someone else a little bit more than what he has? I wouldn't be surprised to see it. And I think this is another box that you check in favor of the Ravens in this matchup because they have guys in Odell Beckham Jr. and Nelson Aguilar that they take deep shots to. Uh, Zay Flowers, I think, could be an X factor in this game as well. They are going to take their shots down the field and specifically I noticed a, a big play to Aguilar last week that Lamar Jackson threw the back shoulder fade against the defensive back that had his back to the quarterback. And that was a killer for the Titans against the Browns. So, you know, I'm just having like PTSD seeing that happening all over again on Sunday morning for, for Christian Fulton. I, I can't remember if it was you, if it was Braden or if it was Mike, one of you guys had the, uh, the, the take that, Christian Fulton's looking to make the big play too many times instead of just kind of, you know, holding his water. And I think if you do that against this offense, Lamar Jackson is going to make you pay. It's like Todd Munkin comes in as offensive coordinator. He wants to get more Louisville Lamar out of Lamar Jackson. That's what we're seeing so far. He is throwing more deep passes this season so far. And I forget the metric, but it's his best deep throwing season yet for Lamar Jackson. So I, I think it's it's bad news that if Christian Fulton doesn't really lock things up, I think we're going to see a timeshare out there with with Fulton potentially being benched for for the game. And do you think that means that you need to see Vador out there? Because we've seen enough of Trey Avery, I feel like. That, that poor guy, he just got picked on, and I don't know if this is a good matchup for him either. Or do you think that you put out Roger McCreary because with no Elijah Molden, what are you going to do in that slot now? Man, I think uh, Roger McCreary is going to be critical to the success of this this defense this weekend because I think I think he's going to end up one on one with Zay Flowers quite a bit in this matchup. And if he can win that matchup, uh, the way that they 
the way that they use Roger McCreary on defense is similar to how the Ravens use Zay Flowers on offense. And that's why I think those two are going to end up in a lot of one-on-one situations on Sunday morning. And honestly, man, I, I think you need him there. I, I think if you move him outside, you risk getting worse at two positions on defense. Uh, you mentioned Trey Avery. The thing about him, I, I, he's not the most talented guy, but I think I think you can trust him to at least do his job. I don't know right. that he has the 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 talent or the uh, the physical acumen to go one on one. Now, I mean, you know, it's not like covering Tyreek Hill. Uh, the Ravens are going to take their shots to to Beckham and to Aguilar, but I, it, you know, it's not like they're you know they're they're former selves either. So I would be okay with putting Avery out there um, if Fulton doesn't you know get his shit together. But I think Vildor is an option as well. And and at that point, maybe you are like evaluating like, hey, let's see what we have in this guy, because you do already know what you have in Trey Avery. But I don't think I'm moving McCreary outside because I think they're going to need him to play a hell of a game on Sunday if they're going to have a chance. And you still have like, you know, Anthony Kendall that maybe you could put out there. There's still right. other yeah. players that you could put outside or at least try outside because, you know, we're very much team try some shit uh, on on this team. Uh, you know, I wonder how much Dan Crookshank is going to be involved. You do have Eric Guerra yeah. that could go inside. You have Tay Gowan who got signed this last week who could go outside. Um, so you got some defensive backs you could bring in. So let me ask you this, because we need to get into some SEC football talk. Oh, yeah, your, we got that too. Your final prediction, Ravens at Titans in London. I, man, I, uh, oh gosh, I, I, the loss to the Steelers was pretty uncharacteristic. I think this Ravens team could, could pretty easily be five and zero oh right now. Uh, I, I think they've, they've kind of pissed down their own leg a couple of times and for, for whatever it's worth, just to like give you some insight as to how high I value the Ravens. They were my pick to win the AFC this year back in the summertime. I, I think it's going to be a difficult matchup for the Titans because you're, you've are you got to have a lot of things go in your favor. You've got to get pressure on a Baltimore offensive line that has played pretty well so far. Now, if you're betting this game, keep an eye on what happens with the uh, the, the Patrick McCreary, McCary um, injury because once Daniel Fa'alale came into the game last week, Pittsburgh started ratcheting up the pressure on the right side, and they were that's kind of what got them back into the game. So keep an eye on that potential for, you know, Danico Autry, Harold Landry, Rashad Weavers, those guys. Um, but I think you have to get pressure on an offensive line that's playing well. You have to cover in space, tackle well, not things that they've done done particularly well so far. And you've got to protect from the explosives on top of having the most mobile quarterback you've faced so far this season as a constant threat. Now, I know historically they've played pretty well against Lamar Jackson but it's an added element to this offense that you have to defend. And right now this team kind of feels like it's, it's a little deflated. There's no wind in their sails right now. And so I could see it getting pretty ugly, honestly. And, you know, my gut reaction is like, I'm not going to be surprised if this ends up being like a 28 to nine, 28 to 10 type of game in favor of the Ravens. Well, that is building a win buildkg.com. <laughs> For the Ravens, Ravens. For the Ravens. Uh, I will say this. I'm predicting I'm going 1916 Tennessee Titans. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like in this spot, historically, like Mike Vrabel has his guys ready to go. Yep. And let me say this. The Baltimore Ravens are number four since the Titans have moved to Tennessee. Number four with the most 16 point wins. The Titans are number five. 24 and 22 respectively. How about that? So, but we're going to go on the other way. They're just going to score 16 and it's going to be 1916. Okay. As buildkg.com Kingston group, our local sponsor, best sponsor that we got that is involved in the construction of your home. And so we're going to go to our, the best sponsor that we got that lets you uh, drink inside your home sinkers, beverages of Nashville, Tennessee, award-winning undefeated the champ the champ is here i should have had some john cena music to go but yeah. here we go and we are going to say what's on tap for the sec week seven and 
Get it? What's on tap? Beer? Tap? So clever. You guys are so clever on this show. It's just me. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so let's start off. We got, it looks like, six games this weekend to talk about. And it's all yeah. SEC on SEC and some interesting matchups. We have Georgia coming to Nashville to play Vanderbilt. Uh, do you give Vandy any kind of chance to cover the spread? Absolutely not, and I don't even know what the spread is. <laughs> That's kind of where I'm at. Okay, we're <laughs> going to skip that one. Yeah. Uh, let me say this about Georgia. Let me ask you this question. Where do you rank on Georgia's beatability scale? Like, they were pretty unstoppable last year. How beatable are they this year? I don't know because I I feel like Kentucky is the first game we've seen them like really turn it on and, and put their foot on the gas. Um, you guys have talked about it on this show throughout the season so far. It feels like they've been playing with their food a little bit. So it depends on which team shows up. If they're focused, I feel like they probably can be pretty unstoppable. Not that, you know, the Kentucky Wildcats are some juggernaut this year, but it's a pretty good football team that they just throttled. And I think if that team shows up, yeah. But if if there are like those lapses in focus where they're playing with their food a little bit, if they're not careful, I, they could get got. They almost got got by Missouri last year. So you know, I I don't know that um, I don't know that they're invincible. I I would not say that they are. They have looked the best among the teams in college football season. But I think they are still capable of really flexing their muscle and and bullying people around. All right, Arkansas comes into Alabama. They're heading to Tuscaloosa. Um, Arkansas, I've been a little sad, a little disappointed in their play yeah. this year. They did take LSU to the limit, and it was a fantastic game, but they fell short, and they've been they continue to fall short in a lot of games. Uh, maybe it's because their head coach, maybe they just have a bunch of Isaiah Wilsons and Traylon Burks who are you know lazy and not very good right now um <laughs> but they're going in alabama i don't give them a chance to win this game because right now i don't know if there's a hotter college football team that has rebounded from a loss this season than alabama i mean they are on fire they're getting back to dynasty era football for alabama run yeah. game defense win the game they may not score 60 points but they are going to win games because they are going to beat the shit out of you in the trenches the game that got nick derrick henry drafted tj yeldon got all these you know alabama running backs eddie lacy you know all these running backs drafted they're getting back to that brand of football and teams don't know what to do because jalen milrow is absolutely electric as a runner and is making good sound decisions since his benching for an experiment again. I guess their experiment against um, a lesser team, we'll say, but yeah. maybe mm -hmm. it possibly is a suspension. They have Tennessee next week, though. Can't overlook your opponents. Is this what's the potential for a trap game? I I just don't see it. Um, by the way, talking about Arkansas falling off the disappointing season they've had. I mean, kiss any any hope of KJ Jefferson being a first round pick. Goodbye. Yeah. Um, I know he was a fringe guy going into the season, but doesn't look like it so far. But as for Alabama, man, I think things are gelling on defense. Like you said, they've shifted focus back to the run game. It very much feels like early era Nick Saban football right now. And as long as they're focused, I I don't think they're they're going to be. Um, even remotely concerned or threatened by Arkansas. The game against Texas A&M was kind of gritty, tough, ends up being a six-point win. We've become so accustomed to seeing Alabama go up there the last several seasons and post these like 45, 50 points on the, on the scoreboards that we kind of um, maybe it adjusts our expectations. Maybe we're expecting a little too much out of this offense with the personnel that it has. I think this team is perfectly fine winning six-point wars. Uh, against tough teams right now and the thing about Jalen Milrow that I like they they're not asking him to go out there this is not an offense like we saw with Bryce Young Tua uh, Jalen Hurts even Mac Jones where you know they have options at wide receiver and they're asking him 
like very intricately going through progressions, looking for specific looks and all that sort of stuff. What they're doing, it feels like they're running the ball. And when defenses pull extra defenders up to help in run support, well, then they're taking the shots down the field. And it's a more timing based thing than it is just like schematic. Um, and, and I think that's where they can they can kill a defense. And it's a it's a punishing unit on the other side of the ball. The defense is gelling. There's a lot of NFL talent on that side of the ball. Uh, a couple of first round, couple of potential first round picks there. I, I think the fact that this team is still not ranked inside the top 10 uh, in the AP poll is bulletin board material. It is uh, rat poison, as Nick Saban would call it. And I think this team's going to have a chip on its shoulder uh, down the stretch. And it, it is not, to your point, like it is not a team I would want to be playing right now. They're going to beat you up. Uh, kind of like we said with Mike Vrabel's Titans, like drag you down into a knife fight in the mud and just beat the tar out of you. Well, unranked Texas A&M is heading to Neyland Stadium in Knoxville for the 3.30 primetime, I guess you would say, SEC game of the week. The Texas A&M being unranked this late in the season has been one of the more pleasant surprises of the college football season. Um but they have won they've won almost every game against an SEC team except for against Alabama and they have a very good defense their offense is just very up and down what i think this is like upset watch coming in like if i had to look at a game that was like a true upset watch because I don't think Missouri and Kentucky is like a true upset. Like if Missouri yeah, were to beat you. Kentucky. I'm with you. But I do think that if Texas A&M coming into Tennessee, this is an upset watch because, again, next week is the third week, third October, third Saturday of October. It's Alabama versus Tennessee. So Tennessee's ranked 19th, Texas A&M. Where are you at on your upset watch? You know, I think this is going to be a fascinating game because I think you're you're onto something here. I think this is a game that the Aggies can win. I like Tennessee's pass rush against a struggling AM offensive line. And um I, I like on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I, I don't think we've seen the the explosive plays out of this Vols offense uh that we saw last year with Hendon Hooker and Cedric Tillman and Jalen Hyatt and those guys. Joe Milton's deep ball inaccuracies are, are kind of an issue that I, I think the Vols are, are going to want to try and, and run the ball. And as Eldon points out, like A&M beating UT is probably not actually an upset, but I, I like A&M in this spot because if they can kind of slow down the Vols run game, I think you've kind of gridlocked that offense. And I think the A&M defense is built in a way that they can do that. So I I don't know. I, I still don't know about the um, the outright win for Texas A&M but last I saw it was a three-point spread and I think um I don't know I think it's going to be a tight game okay so let's say that Tennessee loses this game okay unranked what are UT fans going to be like on Twitter or on X man I I don't know I think I've pretty well curated my feed so that I don't see any more Vols Twitter because Vols Twitter or Vols X uh, can be um, quite insufferable. But I don't know. I don't know. I think um, are they going to start calling for Josh Heupel's head? Be interesting. That would be quite the quite the turnaround, and not that all surprising <laughs> from the from them. Uh, Florida at South Carolina. Uh, the battle of the mids, I guess yeah, you could say. Um, I really don't care. I'm just interested to see who actually steps up on these teams, and I'm interested to see what um, uh, amazing, what amazing catch Ricky Pearsall is going to make this week. Because uh, talk about yeah. an underrated wide receiver, Ricky Pearsall is incredible, and he was incredible last year with Anthony Richardson. Just jumps off the page, and he's making catch after catch after catch. So that'll be interesting to see. I think the Florida is likely going to win that one. Auburn at LSU. LSU will beat the brakes out of Auburn. I think so, so the, too. the last really good game, and the last game anyway, is Missouri versus Kentucky, who I'm a big believer in what Missouri's building over there. 
I, I really like what we've seen, what they've done, even last week in a loss. I really thought that up and up to the very, very end, like the fourth quarter, I really thought that Missouri was going to walk away from LSU, but they just they just couldn't do it in the fourth quarter. They got outscored 22 to seven in the fourth quarter after being up. Uh, I'm not going to get in the math right now. That's that's stupid <laughs> of me to try to do that math. But anyway, they really had to melt down those final minutes of the fourth quarter. It was a thrilling game, a fun game. I think Missouri beats the breaks off of Kentucky. And maybe I, I'm just downplaying Kentucky a little bit, but I just think Missouri, I, I love what they're doing over there. I, I think whoever wins this game, maybe you still got a shot at like a, a New Year's Six Bowl uh, because I think there are some down programs in the SEC West. I don't think anybody outside of Georgia, Missouri, Kentucky, and and maybe Tennessee, assuming they don't slip up against A&M and get that second loss um, this early, I don't think anybody is really going to be pushing for that spot. So I think this is kind of a de facto elimination game when you're talking about maybe the Sugar Bowl, um, something like that. I like what Missouri's doing. I I thought they were going to beat LSU last week. Obviously, like you said, they came up short. Luther Burden III is an absolute electric factory. I mean, that dude is a playmaker. And he's fun to watch. I think he's going to be fun to watch in this matchup. I think they're going to lean on him and that electric factory to make some plays. Eli Drinkwitz is a guy that needed a really good season. I mean, his seat was starting to warm up quite a bit. And uh, for them to come out of the gate 5-0 and um, with a shot at – a real shot at going 6-0, and man, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm really fascinated to see – The fact that see... they're unranked, I feel, is a little – sketchy like i feel like they they are one i think they they have the offense and the defense that defense has been playing with a lot of passion and energy i i am yeah i've really liked what i've seen from missouri in the games i've watched can i say something about lsu real quick yeah let's hear it if you're a defense playing against lsu i would advise you not to fucking lose track of malik neighbors (laughs) what is going on i've seen team after team just like let him just like oh we're just gonna let him run on by he's not doing anything like truly exceptional to get open they're they're just having coverage breakdowns over there it reminds me of like Jalen Hyatt where like you know Jalen Hyatt would just run past everybody and Malik Davis not even doing that he's just like getting into the zone and they're just like they're idiots and they forget they're supposed to cover maybe just like nobody thinks Jaden Daniels is good and can throw the ball to him yeah well when you're that wide open anybody could throw to him so uh but missouri i think upsets kentucky i don't maybe they won't beat the brakes off of them but i do think they'll beat kentucky and take their spot in the uh in the uh top 25 that was what's on tap for sec week seven brought to you by seekers beverages award-winning nashville tennessee liquor store got all the championships like the rick flair liquor stores head mm-hmm. over to head over to seekers beverages tell the people behind the counter to get you that you want to buy a bottle of the special reserve that the guys at 440 sports a football show and football and other efforts picked out and they'll reach behind the bar give it to you and charge your charge your money of course but go over there and get it Braden says it turned out even better than when we tasted it at the uh at the thing so, so i can't wait uh we went we picked out picked it out from nine different barrels so it's it's good trust me go to sinkers beverages east nashville get you a bottle and let them know all about that stony what do you have on tap for the rest of the weekend with the sobros network and stacking the inbox.com Oh man, I don't know if you guys have been uh, keeping tabs on me, but we've got a new sobrosnetwork.com. So the last two weeks have just been a blur. I haven't really written a lot or put a lot of content up there as we've been trying to, you know, work out all the kinks that go go along with launching uh, a new website. Oh, this uh, is a little fancy right here. Yeah, it's uh, we're still working on it. There are some some glitches that uh, that has taken up the bulk of my time. Actually, that's what my. Uh, my list here. I was joking about my stack of notebooks that I keep. I got a list of things to do with the new website. So it's been quiet. You can expect the uh, the Sobros mailbag tomorrow. Uh, there's a new episode of the VixFlix podcast. Brandon and I went to cover the Nashville Film Festival. So we talk about that and the movies that we saw as a part of that. That's coming up there. Um, hoping to do the Unofficial Titans podcast tomorrow. 
And uh, that's that's about it right now uh, for Film Friday. I have already pulled the clips. I got to record the video and actually write the article. But I am kind of looking at the red zone offense and what went so wrong against the Indianapolis Colts. So you can look forward to that at stackingtheinbox.com as well. All right. That sounds good. That will do it for us. If you're a Stacking the Inbox subscriber, don't forget, London game is very early, but we will still be doing the game day chat. So if you're a subscriber, be on the lookout for that. For Stony Keeley, you can follow him on X at Stony Keeley. I'm Zach Lines. You can follow me on X at F Words Pod. Football and other F Words on Wednesdays, of course, football show, Mondays and Thursdays, typically at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for interacting into the chat. We love you. That was a football show. So see you guys later because I'm butchering this ending as I'm struggling to find the video to end this show. <laughs>